Glory to God. To get our focus on Him is a powerful thing. And the distractions of the day that would pull us every direction. I believe that we, you know, in looking at it, we look at history. This is the, the day that we celebrate the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon the church. Really into the earth. And so we call this time from the Gospels on in the Bible, we call this the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. It's no longer the dispensation of the law, it's the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. But we also know that it is the dispensation or the time of the church. Because to recognize that the church and the Holy Spirit are in no way to be separate. If we are without the Holy Spirit, we are powerless. We have the Word, and the Word is, as we said today, is truth. It's a map, it's a direction of what to do and where to go and the change that needs to take place. But the Holy Spirit is the power to make those changes take place. He is the power that will make things change in lives. He's the power that when God takes us to a place and the Holy Spirit leads us across people's paths, that we arrive at the right time, in the right place, with the right people, with the right power and anointing. To bring deliverance, to bring freedom, to bring understanding, and to bring wisdom to those who are in darkness. And I've said this over and over again, you know, and you probably got it, I'm just slower than most people, but God just showed it to me as I was walking back and forth here one morning praying, and, and, and just talking to him, and you know, I, I, I think about the word, I'm a preacher, you know, we're going to bring the light of the glorious gospel as we preach, and, and there's some truth to that, but as we were walking, uh, again, he, he put these two things together for me, he said, you are the light of the world, and as I'm praying, I'm just going, praise the Lord, we're the light of the world, and he said, you know that the enemy has blinded the minds of those who don't know me, lest the light of the glorious gospel shine on them. He said, you carry, you're not just preaching, you carry the revelation of the glorious gospel in you. You are a container of the glory of God. It is the mystery hidden from the ages and ages that they couldn't know it was a mystery. And Paul, God gave Paul the revelation of the mystery that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Anybody's hope of knowing the glory of God is contained in the believer. And wherever we go, into our workplace, into our, our cities, wherever we go, we need to know that we are carrying the light of the glorious gospel. And their minds may have been blinded. Blinded to what? Uh, we see this in the cities. They're blinded. Their focus is on something else. They have no idea that they're not wrestling against flesh and blood. They have no idea that they're not wrestling against a political system. We should know that. We are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And we have been given and clothed with the armor of God to take a stand in those situations. We have the truth of God's word. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We know that we are right with God, that we are at peace with God. We have the shoes of peace. We shouldn't be in turmoil. 
but peace that passes all understanding and the helmet of salvation. And we're not off confused and, and tormented in our mind because God has saved us and delivered us and healed us and set us free, made us whole of all brokenness. And he's given us his word to get a to put faith in his word and put the shield of faith out and we have his word to speak. We are clothed in the righteousness of God to battle principalities and powers wherever we go and clothed in that we bring to somebody who doesn't know what they're fighting a revelation of victory over what they're fighting. But they're groping in darkness. Their mind has been blinded. And if you see it, you try to tell them and they don't understand. But you can tell them and they not understand. But if we show them, we show them. We're not bound by sin. We're not bound by the, the flesh and its lusts and its desires. We have a whole different desire stirring on the inside of us. It's a desire for God. That God's will would be done, not our will would be done. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something dynamic in the church, and we've been talking about it on Sunday night. And I'm going to try to combine two things. Since I fell behind this morning, we're going to try to get this in. They do fit together, but I didn't think they would fit together this way. And I promised Matt I would talk about Pentecost <laughs> this morning. No, they all go together. But come on, in Acts chapter 2, the original Pentecost, it said they were all with one accord and in one place. Somewhere we are going to, as a church, not only New Creation Church, but the church going to have to find one accord. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. There's one place for us to hook up. Certainly it's the Lordship of Jesus Christ, but the message that Jesus gave us is powerful. They were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole place where they were sitting. And then cloven tongues like as of fire sat upon each of them and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. On that dynamic day of Pentecost, something incredible happened that God came in in his presence and he sat on them. He sat on them. One thing we don't hear much about Pentecost and as I was meditating on this and really what God has been putting in my heart, and you may, you may get tired of it, but I'm just telling you I have a sense of it, and uh, I'm asking God to show me, and, and God's stuff I have to put aside. God, I have to, uh, I mean, I'm not laboring over it. I'm just like, God, I didn't want to, I, I shouldn't have said that. I, 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 I shouldn't have acted like that. I'm just trying to keep everything clear and ready. And so the last few weeks we've been talking about holiness, but I want you to turn over to Hebrews the 12th chapter. And I'm actually going to read this verse from the Message Bible, but you can, you can begin to understand it, and, and I'm, I'm going to tie it to what took place on Pentecost. The writer of Hebrews is talking about things to come, but he's talking about the church, and he's talking about a shaking, and that there will be a shaking that goes on in the earth. There will also be a shaking that goes on in heaven. And it's a shaking that will shake things loose. But he said that anything that cannot be shaken will remain. 
So there'll be shaking of all sorts, but when we have faith in God and we've grounded ourselves in the Word of God, when we built our house on that rock that Jesus talked about, that, that we didn't just hear His Word, but we did His Word, we acted upon it, we allowed transformation to take place, that when everything is shaken, that can be shaken, there's something that's going to remain. And I just want to, I want to believe it's the body of Christ, that it remains. But the 28th verse says this. It says, do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship. Deeply reverent before God. For God is not an indifferent bystander. Listen, at all the shaking and all the, the pulling and all the temptation and all that's going on in the world, God is not standing by indifferent. He's not looking at the cities that are being uh, uh, torn apart and being indifferent. He's not looking at your struggle and being indifferent. He's not looking at what the enemy is trying to do in your life and be indifferent. God is ready to act. God has sent Jesus. God has sent the Holy Spirit. He has equipped us. He's readied us to do what needs to be done. Verse 29, it says, he's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn. And he won't quit till it's all cleansed. God himself is fire. See, on the day of Pentecost, we hear the rushing mighty wind, we hear fire. It almost makes you want to jump up and run. Woo! Fire! But I, here's what I believe, at least a portion of the connection of what was happening is when God came into that place and he sat upon them in cloven tongues like as a fire, he was this consuming fire. And he was burning up stuff in them that prepared them to go out and win the world. He was burning up things in them because what they needed to do, and Lester Summerall says this in his book, uh, The Holy Spirit and His Gifts. He said, you'll never see these gifts of the Holy Spirit actively and consistently in the church if you don't have love and unity. If you don't have love and unity. And listen, you have at least 12 guys in that upper room, 11 guys, at least 11 guys. There's 120, but you have at least 11 guys who are struggling with selfishness. They've been for three and a half years jockeying for position, figuring out what is my ministry. Is my ministry at his right hand? Is my ministry better than John's ministry? Is John's ministry better than my ministry? They become competitive, even to where John writes, they're elbowing each other to see who's going to get to the tomb first. They had some things to work out in their own heart because it wasn't about them. The Holy Spirit came to launch them and to see a lost and a dying and a hurting people. And after the fire of God came into that place, the first thing that happened was not 
a healing miracle. The first thing that happened is Peter came out and saw a group of people who were asking questions, and he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, I believe, from a heart that he had never had or seen before. That where he had seen crowds before and he hunkered next to Jesus or he had seen a crowd before and been intimidated and denied Jesus, he all of a sudden had his selfishness burnt up and he saw people that needed Jesus. And instead of being intimidated or thinking, watch me preach, he just put out the simple gospel with boldness And 3,000 people gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're not careful, we want to see a miracle of healing, and we ignore the miracle of a transformation of a spirit. God cares about those people and the purging that takes place of our own selfish desires that keep us from being united, keep us from doing the will of God, keep us from purity in our life because we chase our own desires instead of God. It takes that fire from heaven, that Pentecost experience to fall upon us and to burn up the chaff that God is an all-consuming fire would begin to burn up everything that does not belong to Him. So that we truly can begin to walk in love and unity. Our love is so often, even as the church, been relegated to human love. God's love surpasses and goes beyond it. Paul had experienced the love of God. You know, when we read these writers, sometimes we read over them, but John, he writes, and, and if you read his epistles, he is so understanding of the love of God. He, he, He wrote with inspiration of the Spirit of God, but I love what he writes. He always writes, and the disciple Jesus loved. You know, when you just know that love, you can boldly testify. Right? In my house, I am my mother's favorite. We write it. We log it. My brothers and sisters testify to it. I'm my mother's favorite. I believe that that's how John felt. My mother will say, I don't have any favorites, but I don't believe her. I'm her favorite. And John had a revelation. I'm Jesus' favorite. He loves me. And Jesus said, I love everybody. And John says, I don't believe it. I'm the one you love because he had a revelation of God's love. And every one of us should have that revelation and say, listen, I am the one he loves. But he also understood that to such a depth that when he wrote to the church, he said, you are the one that he loves. And he wants you to love him so deeply and understand his love so deeply that if you understand loving him, you understand loving people. But if you don't understand loving people, you don't understand loving him. Come on, I believe there's going to be an explosion and it's just a, a, a minor adjustment and a minor twist as the Spirit of God's moving in the earth today. 
the things that have taken place, but we have people sitting in this room. Cassandra's here today. She's got game on camps, but I believe that even because of what's happened, it may look like, are we going to be able to have camps? But when that thing breaks loose, there's going to be a greater opening to share the power of God and the gospel with those kids that come to camp because they're going to be all mixed up and confused and ready to play games, but they're also going to be prepared to receive love and a message of a God who loves them. we got people that God has delivered for, from some incredible things that God is beginning to teach and to stir the love of God in them. And I'll tell you what, they're going to go into places in the community that we haven't yet reached, and they're going to explode with the love of God, and people are going to be delivered. I don't know how it's going to happen. I've just been sitting and talking to a couple of people, and I thought, this, is what, this might be what God's going to do. This might be it. I had a vision a few years ago, you all know this because I've said this, that sometime on Sunday night, I saw us here on Sunday night, and we're just talking about the word, and all of a sudden people get up, and there's just a move of the Spirit of God, and people come up, and then all of a sudden there's just drug paraphernalia, they're just dropping it and kneeling at the altar. God's doing something with people in that area. He wants to do something. We can't discard that area of our community. God's sending people in there to love them, to know that they're loved and that they can be delivered because God loves them so much he doesn't want them bound, but to be delivered from those things. And once they find that out and they come and they know there's a body that loves them and will embrace them, they'll give it all up for Jesus. Come on, it's one thing to give it up to a Savior that's going to get you to heaven. It's another thing to give it up to a Lord and know that there is a body, there is a person that can, is contained in a physical body that will immerse you in that body and love you and surround you and grow you. And church, we need to do that better. When somebody comes in, not say, well, this is our part of the body, sorry you don't fit but understand that God's brought them in. And the, best, the biggest thing they need to know is if I'm going to grow, I need the body. And the body should rush with the love of God. Not stand back and go, well, we don't know, but rush with the love of God. So that we can unite and begin to cause things to grow. God wants to burn up some stuff. Pentecost was about signs and wonders and miracles, but the first two things that happened is that Peter preached and people got saved. The next thing that happened is the church came into unity and they had all things in common. I know people lock up in America like, oh no, we're going to have a commune and you're going to ask us to give everything and we're all going to sell our stuff and bring it in. Well, only if God says to. But isn't it funny how we want a Pentecostal experience, just not that Pentecostal? Come on, we want Pentecost. All right, sell everything you have, bring it in, put it at my feet, we'll distribute it. Not that Pentecostal. <laughs> huh? The disciples didn't ask for that. That was a move of God. God said, this is about what, this is, a, this is what is about to happen. The persecution is going to be so great. And it's going to disperse. 
that the church is going to need to help itself. So God started moving on people to sell their lands and houses and come. And then there began a work of ministry distributing to those who are in need. Boy, that got quiet. Come on, Pastor, we want miracles. That's where miracles start to come from. Come on. That's where miracles start to come from. When God moves on our heart and says, you know what? Go ahead, this thing that, that's, that's valuable to you, this thing that kind of has you, go ahead and give it to me. And then you give it to him, and you're like, whoo, that's great. I got some, I got, that, was, that raised in value. And then God says, now I want you to give it to somebody in need. When he can get us to that point to release, if he can get you to manage unrighteous mammon, he can give you true riches. He can give me true riches. I'm not saying we're going to sell all our land and that you're going to bring it here. I'm just saying God wants to burn up some stuff. So if he says do that, he can do that. Because Pentecost started with a fire that burned up the chaff of their heart, the selfishness, who gets what, when, who's going to be who, now. He took them out and people got born again and received Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered together in unity. And after we see that love and that unity, then we see miracles take place. And we want miracles. I want miracles. I love miracles. God's not done with miracles. I love that song. He's not done with miracles. I mean, today, let's have a miracle. Glory to God. And miracles are happening. Things are happening. Just a young lady in the church during this time had to go in. She, she was scheduled for surgery, had some things. I don't know all the details, so I don't want to share them. But, but I got a report back. We'd sent a prayer cloth we'd prayed for. She went in for surgery. They opened her up, or, or they took an MRI. Anyway, whatever, however far they got along, what they were going to remove was not there. Come on, we keep saying, God, if there was miracles, miracles are happening, and we just go right over them looking for something else. I don't know what we're looking for. We're like, okay, well, but I need a miracle. Or I want to see the lame walk. Well, wait a minute, we start with seeing a tumor disappear. But if we see a tumor disappear and we're like, eh, it didn't happen to me, how are we going to see the lame walk? If God does something great and we're like, eh. But when you go, man, God, that is awesome. God says, you want to see something else? When we acknowledge God in all of his ways and his power, I mean, he shows up to bless people. He doesn't show, off, show up to impress us. He shows up to bless people and transform lives. So the number one message that Jesus preached was the love of God. We talked about that word today. But really, to know him is to love him. Say, God, I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. Speak to me. 
But literally, to know him is to love him. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He that does not love does not know God, because God is love. And he's not talking about the love, the human love, that says, I did something cool for you, when are you going to do something for me? I did something awesome to help people and nobody even recognized it. He said there's a love that transcends that, that has a depth and a breadth and a height and a length that goes beyond your human knowledge. It's only known by experiencing God's love for you. It's only known by experience. That's why Paul prayed that we would be strengthened in our inner man by his spirit, knowing that Christ dwelled in our heart through faith, that we would be rooted and grounded in love, in that relationship with God, knowing the depth and the breadth and the height and the length of his love. Because once we experience it, it goes beyond human knowledge. Once we experience it, we know and have a great confidence that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I ever hoped, asked, dreamed, or thought. Because it's not my thinking was too small. My desiring was too small. God had something so much bigger for me than I could imagine. Because I'm thinking about, God, if you could get me a new house, if you could get me a new car, if you could get me a new job, if you could get me a wife, if you could get me a husband, and God says, I have something far greater for you than just those things. I have something that I want to do in you, that I want to do through you, that people's lives will be changed. But I need you to experience my love, to extend yourself and to extend me to people that you don't yet know. There's people that you have not yet met that God already has a plan to lead you across their path and do something incredible. Through his word or by his mighty power. It may be the word of God that brings somebody to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and salvation. It may be somebody who needs a miracle of healing. It may be somebody who's bound by drugs and addiction that needs deliverance. It may be somebody who's so broken in their life that needs their life picked up and put back together again. And God needs us to walk in the anointing and listen to the Spirit and arrive at that place and say, I got what you need right now. And I'm not concerned about myself. I'm not concerned about my watch But what is it that you need? God brought me here to you. Praise the Lord. I'm about lost. My notes are doing me little to no good. (laughs) Hallelujah. He says throughout 1 John, to love God is to love people, and to love people is to love God. We can say, God, I love you, God, I love you, and have all kinds of issues with people. Come on, church, it's time to just let go of issues with people. People are people. And what I've found is most of what irritates me about people is what God is dealing with me about. And the only reason I recognize it in them is because I know it's in me. Everybody's wondering, like, what's wrong with you? Um, 
Not that much. I pretty much cleaned it all up. Um, <laughs> therefore, I have nothing wrong. I have no problem with you because I've taken care of all my problems. <laughs> it works that way. It can work that way, right? If I recognize my problem with you is what I'm dealing with, then if I deal with my problem, I have no problems with you because I have no problems. Which is the way God would like it, that you have no problems. So Jesus speaking here says this is the most important message. They ask him, they said, what's the greatest commandment? Matthew chapter 22, and Jesus said to him, you know this, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hangs all, hangs everything, the law and the prophets. Loving God and loving people, everything, everything hangs on it. Come on. Pentecost was about purging the junk out so they could clearly see, I love God and I love people. The position, the ministry, the things God has called me to will fall into place. The gifts will make room for themselves. If I love God and love people, God will guide me, direct me, anoint me, position me to do what I need to do. And if I love God and I love people, I never devalue, I never undervalue the people that he puts me with right now. Talked to a couple of people this week and talking about just different things in ministry. I talked to Brad this morning and, you know, I, I just have to confess and I've learned this just from ministry and from my own life. You know, sometimes you can see what God's called you to and you look over the heads of people on your way there and you lose track of where you're going because the people that are right there with you right now are what God has you to do. And when you look over that, you devalue those people, when you look at where God's placed you right now, looking to a different position, you devalue where God has you right now. And if you devalue anything that God is doing in you and that God is doing for you, how are you going to get to the greater thing when you did not value the very thing that he put in your hands and put in your heart? But when selfishness begins to take its reign in our hearts, we need that fire of the Holy Spirit to burn up the chaff and cleanse out those things. And when it's all cleansed out, purity is found. And purity of faith is found in a purity of love for God and a love for people. Faith is not just some superficial teaching that we are faith people because that's our teaching. No, faith worketh by love. Our trusting God and believing and accessing his power is because we know his love for us and he cares more about us than we care for ourselves. So whatever he promised us, he wants to bring to pass for our good. If we'll just love him and if we love him, we can trust him. And if we trust him, we allow him to do whatever he wanted, wants to do. I love that song where God said, I don't know what it is. It's talking about all the things he does. He says he can do whatever he wants. I'm like, man, do whatever you want to do. If you can change everything and make dead bones alive and do all that, just do whatever you want to do. Praise the Lord. Jesus continually encouraged his disciples. 
So he was preparing them. He was telling them about the love of God. They were hearing it. They were watching it in him. But it took the fire of the Holy Spirit of God to purge away the other things so they could see clearly what Jesus was saying. We know that they heard this because of the way they acted in what we read in the book of Acts. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus said this. He said, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Right, this starts working on us, especially as Americans. Bless God, you ain't going to take advantage of me. Don't you be slapping my cheek. There ain't nobody slaps my cheek. And he may be literally talking about slapping a cheek, but we get into this... Somebody emotionally slaps our cheek, and we're in a mess. We're all Twitter-pated. He's like, there's enemies out there. He told his disciples, they're going to hate you. Woo, I bet that was a, a, that teaching. They probably got up, ran around. The anointing of the Holy Spirit was in that room. <laughs> Just want to let you all know, I want to prepare you. They're going to hate you. Why are they going to hate you? Because they hated me. And don't think for one second that you are better than me. That's what he told them. He said, they hated you. and They hated me. They'll hate you. Don't think for a second that you're better than me. If they hate me, they'll hate you. Get used to it. Because if you don't get used to it, you'll pander to them to get them to like you. And it'll affect how much God loves you. But if you say you can hate me as long as God loves me, God can use you to do miraculous things. It's not comfortable. Jesus knew it. Listen, and from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. If he takes your shirt, if he takes your coat, give him your shirt. Right? We don't, I, don't, I don't have a tunic. I guess some people know what it is. Maybe I do. Tasha, tell me if I have a tunic. I don't know. But he's just saying if they want this, instead of trying to withhold it or just give the bare minimum, go ahead and, and heap blessing on them. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Come on, this will be a heart check all week for all of us. Well, I love them. And they're not so hot. But does, nothing distinguishes us if we just love people who love us. Come on. If we're not loving the people who are Tearing up cities enough to pray for them, nothing distinguishes us. If we have hurt feelings all day, every day, for the people who are against us, nothing distinguishes us. But if we love them and put value on them, because God puts value on them, they don't know what they're doing. They hung Jesus on the cross and he still hung there looking at them, hating him. And he said, God, they have no idea 
what they're doing. Forgive them. You know, when people trip your trigger so many times, we get mad at them, we get hateful, we get vengeful. They didn't even know what they were doing. And we get caught up in things that hinder us from effectively ministering to people. I'll try to finish here, but if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Now, I know this goes through every, everybody's mind, so if we all come, as soon as we dismiss service, if we will all come to Jim Siminski and ask him if we can borrow some money, if Jim's walking in love, he should give us all money. And not lend it to us at interest, just give us money. So again, there's wisdom in this. Jesus isn't talking about loaning everybody money and not being smart. He's talking about a heart that's not like the world. A heart to help, a heart to strengthen, a heart to grow, a heart of love and unity. says it this way in Matthew 5, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do, even the ta- do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only... What do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. Therefore, you shall be perfect or complete, mature, just as your Father in heaven is. Man, the power of the love of God is incredible. We're seeing all over people misguided by hatred and division and envy and justice. they got all things going on. It's time for the church to arise. If we want a real move of the Holy Spirit and the fire of God, it's not just excitement. I mean, you might have to jump up and run when he purges selfishness just to get away from yourself. (laughs) It's so hot. (laughs) And there's an exciting time. But if we just want to see a miracle of healing just so somebody can know and see, but there's no love behind it, again, just, just follow what I'm saying. Read it for yourself. I'm closing. But when Paul wrote about The manifestations of the Holy Spirit, he said very emphatically, without love, they're nothing. We cannot get misguided in what we want to see in the gifts of the Spirit if we are not going to walk in the love of God and unity of the body. Jesus in John, the 17th chapter, you can read it. He prayed that they would all, us all, them all, would come into unity just as he and the Father were one. I believe it's a call on this Pentecost celebration that we call on the fire of the Holy Spirit to purge out selfishness and the things that keep us from moving forward 
and allow the love of God to be revealed and develop the unity and the strength of the body to come together so that we have a powerful body to begin to reach out in these areas that are struggling. That we begin to not say there's an outpouring of the Spirit of God, that we have planned that it will be this way and that we will run this way like we used to run, but that we see our our culture, we see our generation as different than when the last move of God hit and we allow God to move how God wants to move. And we might not run and shout and roll on the floor and laugh, but I'll tell you, if God moves and starts to gather up the addicted and the brokenhearted and the suffering, and they flood in repentance at the altar of God, there's a move of the Spirit of God that we haven't seen for a long, long time, but it's God moving in a manifestation of His Spirit. And I'll just tell you, if that happens and you can't run, something's wrong. You can run when everybody's running because, woo, I feel good. Praise the Lord for that. I love, I love that move of God. I got some good things out of that. I love to laugh. But I'm telling you, people come to the altar and get set free in a moment. And then the church is like, we want to move a God. And we'll have deliverance and healing and joy. It'll all come together in one mighty move of God. Amen? Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify and glorify you. God, work a work in us. As we have been talking about on Sunday night, that vessel, pure, meat for the master's use. That you making that highway of holiness, those paths in deserted places where holiness will come and in that holiness there will be floods of, the, uh, of fountains into the dry ground. God, I believe that you want to put us in those paths. And that you want us to walk holy. That you want the fire of God to burn up the chaff. That being tested by fire, our faith is genuine and more precious than gold. That our love is revealed. That it's not superficial. It's not human. But in that fire, our love is revealed as pure depth of relationship with you, with the church, and a heart for those who are lost and hurting. Holy Spirit, work that work in us, and then guide us and empower us for the miracles that need to take place to bring that goodness of God to those who are hurting. That as we go out and proclaim your word with faith, you go with us confirming your word with signs following. Give us hope, give us expectation that we are not just living in an ordinary day, but that we're living in an unprecedented day. In a day where it looks like the enemy is pouring out lawlessness and wickedness, you are preparing to pour out your spirit in a greater measure to once again show that you are God and you want to do it through your church. We thank you, Lord. I ask you to even now, as people are searching, they're desiring, Holy Spirit, touch their hearts, touch their lives. Fresh oil and anointing upon each one to see and to know. Fresh fire to burn up things that have collected God. Right here in this room, for the people in this room that we don't leave like we came. 
But we leave understanding what you're saying to us and we allow you to perform that which you desire, that we truly might come together in love and unity like never before. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.